You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The Fed kicks off its two-day meeting with another 75 basis point rate hike on the table. Treasury two-year yields are poised to crack above 4% for the first time in 15 years. British Prime Minister Liz Truss is pessimistic about a trade deal with the U.S. And Ford shares drop on concerns of higher supply costs. New York City is looking at legal action involving the influx of migrants from Texas, plus Hurricane Fiona strengthens after devastating Puerto Rico. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Mets clinch the playoff berth. Max Scherzer pits them to victory in Milwaukee. Aaron Judge and the Yankees tonight host Pittsburgh. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are moving lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down five points. Dow futures down 19. NASDAQ futures down 31. And the DAX in Germany is down a third of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. Yield 3.51%. And the yield on the two-year, 3.96%. Nathan. Karen, the S&P 500 snapped a two-day losing streak yesterday, but right now futures are falling just a bit. Ten-year Treasury yields are hovering near 3.5%, while the yield on the two-year is poised to crack 4% for the first time since 2007. Jake Jolly is a senior investment strategist at BNY Mellon. I think it's going to be pretty choppy uh, this week, right? We're all waiting for Wednesday. We're all very uh, attentive to, you know, what's going to be coming. Most notably, I think, in the summary of economic projections. I think everybody feels like a Fed watcher these days. But until then, I think it's going to be a little bit choppy. And the Fed meeting mentioned by BNY Mellon's Jake Jolly kicks off today. According to economists surveyed by Bloomberg, the central bank will hike rates by three-quarters of a percentage point for the third straight time. Lori Calvacinas, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. 
Look, our rate strategy team, they're still in the 75 basis point camp, but they've certainly said that 100 is on the table, and it does seem like there's been pains to make that messaging out there. Um, it was a brutal day last week after that CPI print. We had a 5% drop in the NASDAQ. So I do think that a lot is baked in at this point in time, and I think what the market continues to struggle with is not just the aggressive action from the Fed, but the economic ramifications. Lori Calvacina at RBC says more companies could downgrade their earnings forecasts, and that could lead to more uncertainty for the markets. In Japan, Karen, inflation accelerated to its fastest pace in more than three decades, and that's creating headaches for the Bank of Japan. It will try to explain why it needs to continue with monetary stimulus when inflation is above its 2% goal. Consumer prices, excluding fresh food, rose at an annual rate of 2.8% in August. Meantime, Nathan, across Asia, stocks snapped a five-day losing streak. Hopes at Hong Kong will ease COVID restrictions, helped boost sentiment. And we get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sully in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Indexes in Hong Kong were up more than 1%. One key gauge climbing from the edge of a bear market as Hong Kong's chief executive said the city wants to relax COVID travel curbs after nearly three years of restrictions. The offshore yuan weakened despite the PBOC setting a stronger than expected fix for a 19th day and Chinese lenders kept their loan prime rates unchanged. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Let's turn to geopolitics now. There's word this morning a trade deal between the UK and the U.S. is not likely anytime soon. Let's go live to London and get the details from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. It's the first foreign trip for Liz Truss since she became British Prime Minister two weeks ago. But touching down in New York for the UN General Assembly, she told reporters a trade deal between the UK and the US is unlikely in the short or the medium term. An agreement with the world's biggest economy has been an ambition for post-Brexit trade policy, but for now, the new PM accepts it's not going to happen anytime soon. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Now to the latest on the war in Ukraine. The country's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuleba, is calling on Western allies to send even more weapons to cement the gains from this month's counteroffensive against Russia. He says it's been successful so far. It was unexpected for some, but it was a thoroughly planned and well-thought military operation. Um, The next phase will be to continue liberating our territories. We will continue our counteroffensive in the east of the country. And Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba spoke with Bloomberg in New York ahead of the U.N. General Assembly's annual meeting. Last week, President Biden announced another $600 million drawdown from U.S. military stockpiles to provide aid to Ukraine. In corporate news this morning, Karen, a big legal battle is back in the spotlight. We have new developments in the lawsuit filed by Twitter against Elon Musk. Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey will now be questioned under oath as part of the case. And we get the story from Bloomberg's. Doug Krisner. Dorsey has been an energetic booster of Musk's $44 billion bid for the company, but in July, Musk retreated from his offer and accused the company of not providing information to assess the prevalence of bots. Twitter is now suing Musk to enforce the takeover agreement. Even though Dorsey was subpoenaed last month by Musk, he will be questioned by attorneys from both sides via Zoom. The push to gather information and interview key players comes ahead of an expedited schedule for a trial. It's slated to begin October 17th and last for five days. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak.
All right, Doug, thank you. Well, Ford is also front and center this morning. Shares down almost 5% in early trading after the automaker said inflation is pushing supplier costs a billion dollars higher than expected in the current quarter. Ford expects adjusted earnings to be well below the $3.7 billion it reported last quarter. And General Motors is getting a vote of confidence this morning, Karen, from one big investor. Kathy Wood's fund has scooped up shares of GM for the first time in more than four months. Following a 50% drawdown this year through July, GM's shares have been gradually recovering as the company bets on selling affordable electric vehicles. And Apple unveiled major increases to its price tiers on apps and in-app purchases from Europe to Asia, protecting its margins as major currencies tumble against the U.S. dollar. Customers and nations that use the euro, as well as those in Sweden, Japan, South Korea, Chile, Egypt, Malaysia, Pakistan, and Vietnam, will all see price hikes as early as October 5th. Futures are lower. Your local headlines straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 69 degrees in Central Park. Already dealing with an accident on the westbound Cross Bronx Expressway. It's by the Sheridan Expressway. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. More migrants arrived by bus to New York from Texas yesterday, following six additional buses over the weekend. Mayor Eric Adams says his city is considering potential legal action. The situation in New York has turned tragic, with Mayor Adams confirming that an asylum seeker took her own life at a facility over the weekend. The failure was the governors that sent people on a multi-day bus ride without uh, proper food, without medical care, without the basic necessities. Mayor Adams says 11,600 asylum seekers and migrants are here in the city. Meanwhile, a Texas Democratic sheriff announced the criminal investigation has been opened into who was behind the recruitment of dozens of migrants in San Antonio to be flown on a charter plane to Florida and Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Bear County Sheriff Javier Salazar says they were lured. They were promised work. They were promised the solution to several other problems. They were taken to uh, Martha's Vineyard from what, from what we can gather uh, for nothing, for little more than a photo op, video op, and then they were unceremoniously stranded in Martha's Vineyard. Sheriff Salazar says it's believed that a Venezuelan migrant was paid what would be called a bird dog fee to recruit people from the area around a migrant resource center. Fiona strengthened to a Category 3 hurricane overnight with winds of 115 miles per hour as it approached the Turks and Caicos Islands. In Puerto Rico, more than a million people are without power, and officials say roughly 35 inches of rain could fall on some areas. In New York, Governor Kathy Hochul says Puerto Rico needs assistance like any other state going through a natural disaster. These are our citizens, fellow citizens, and that is uh, why we do this mutual aid as we would do if there were you know, the um, flooding in Kentucky. Governor Hochul says utility crews are ready to go down to help. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres is warning that the world is in great peril. He says world leaders meeting in person for the first time in three years at the U.N. General Assembly in New York must tackle conflicts and climate catastrophes. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. The Mets are now officially in the playoffs, and they are hoping that next month it's their one-two punch that will take them far. The night after Jacob DeGrom began his start with five perfect innings and 13 strikeouts, it was Max Scherzer's turn. Came off the injured list in Milwaukee to hurl six perfect innings, nine Ks. Scherzer was then taken out. Brewers scored twice in the seventh off Tyler McGill, also just back from injury. But the Mets won 7-2. Scherzer's 200th career win. Pete Alonso had a three-run homer as 36. The Braves also won. They remain a game behind, even in the loss column. Yankees back home tonight to play Pittsburgh. And the hot ticket is for a seat in the bleachers, a chance to catch a ball hit out by Aaron Judge, sitting on 59 home runs. His next one matches Babe Ruth from 1927. And then it's on to Roger Maris. Judge continues to say it's not on his mind. I'm out in my focus to go out there and win a game. Numbers, you know, there is numbers. You know, I'm focused on doing what I can to be a good teammate, help the team win. If that means hitting a homer, then it means hitting a homer. But you know, it's never, never been my focus, ever been, you know, my main objective when I play this game. The Astros last night clinched the AL West. The Guardians won. They lead the AL Central by four games. Pair of Monday night blowouts, Buffalo. 41 to 7 over Tennessee. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs hooked up for touchdowns three times. Philadelphia all over Minnesota 24 to 7. Jalen Hurts ran for two touchdowns through a 53 yard TD pass. The Bills and Eagles both 2 and 0. Jets coach Rob Salas says Zach Wilson looks good in practice, but Jets might stick with last Sunday's hero Joe Flacco for at least one more game Sunday against Cincinnati. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. S&P futures moving lower now, down 10 points. Dow futures down 54. NASDAQ futures adding to their declines, down 52 points. And the 10-year Treasury yield right now, 3.52%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine today and highs in the low 80s, mostly sunny with a high near 80 tomorrow. By Thursday, showers likely, highs then in the upper 70s. Right now, 69 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks giving up early gains as traders gear up for another supersized U.S. rate hike amid rising anxiety. The Federal Reserve could over-tighten and raise the odds of a hard landing. Fed policymakers open a two-day meeting today with a decision on interest rates scheduled for tomorrow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 12 points this morning. Dow futures down 56 and NASDAQ futures down 53. The DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year Treasury down 10.30 seconds, yield 3.52 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.97 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up half percent or 46 cents at $86.19 a barrel. COMEX gold is down a tenth of a percent or $2 at $16.76.20 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0010 against the dollar. British pound 1.1432 and the yen 143.72. Looking at Bitcoin, it's down 1.2 percent at 19200 
$1,490. And today we are looking for reports on housing starts and building permits at 8.30 Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Hurricane Fiona has strengthened into a Category 3 storm as it now heads toward the Turks and Caicos Islands. It continues to cause heavy winds and rain in the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, where floodwaters rush through the streets and many are without power. Border crossings soared in August. U.S. Customs and Border Protections reported an increase in migrants from Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua, stopping about 56,000 last month. It was a Monday night football doubleheader. The Bills put on what for and why whipping on the Titans 41-7. The Eagles beat the Vikings 24-7. In baseball, the Mets won, clinching a playoff berth. The Nationals and Orioles lost. The Giants won. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thank you. We're coming up to 520 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We've got SD Dweck with us this morning, Chief Investment Officer at Flow Bank, with the focus on central banks this week and a Fed decision tomorrow. SD, good morning. We're watching Futures move lower, the two-year yield getting ever closer to 4%. Does this market have more pricing in to whatever the Fed's going to do tomorrow? Good morning. Well, it certainly seems to be the case. I think uh, the market is worried that the terminal rate in the dot plot that we're going to get tomorrow is going to be higher than um you know, four four point five or something like that, and so there's a little bit of readjustment, especially well, a lot of readjustment, especially mm. at uh, at the two year yields, waiting for the announcement tomorrow. So, how much further do you think uh, these this market could go in the stock market? How much further could we see uh, Treasury yields go? Well, you know, it it really depends if we get an even more hawkish uh surprise from the fed or something as hawkish as uh powell was at uh, jackson hole or whether we have a dot plot that shows below four and a half, which is already basically priced in by the markets. Um, we've broken through those uh, June highs on the 10 year. So uh, there is some room to the upside, but it is starting to feel uh, again, unless the Fed again resets those uh, terminal rate expectations, it is starting to get a little bit stretched on the yield front. Now, we did get a hawkish surprise this morning from Sweden Central Bank coming in with a 100 basis point move. Does that have any impact on uh, your expectations for the Fed tomorrow? Uh, I don't think so. The Fed uh, is most likely going to do 75 at this point. Again, even if they went 100 uh because they they are trying to front load these these rate hikes, um, I think the market might not necessarily see it as a negative. Again, depending on how that terminal rate ends up, uh, it's really a question of how high do we go and for how long do we stay there. Um, the path higher now, we know it's going to be a lot of big hikes. We have 75 basis points uh, mostly planned in for November already, so we know a few of these are coming. What does that mean for corporations going forward here? We're hearing a number of earnings downgrades. Of course, you got that big report from FedEx last week and uh, more gloomy picture from Ford as well this morning. Are we in uh, setting ourselves up here for even further earnings downgrades from uh, companies getting into the last quarter? 
It's something we definitely need to watch. The Ford one is more a question, was more a question of waiting for uh, some parts and then uh, they think their Q4 deliveries are going to be fine. So we saw that with some other car makers a few quarters ago. So the full year 2022 wasn't changed. FedEx was definitely a warning, but so far it's one of the only companies that has been as negative about the rest of the year. But uh, we have to watch that. And if it starts to become very big downgrades to the outlook uh, and not just some downward adjustment, then I think that can be another worry for markets. So in our last minute here, Esty, what's the risk of economic slowdown or even recession, given uh, the, the strong stance we're seeing from the Fed? And where do you put your money at this point? Well, it's interesting because you, you have a, a labor market that's holding up. You have growth uh, data that appears to be holding up so far. So it doesn't feel like we're sort of spiraling towards a recession and that very elusive soft landing seems like a possibility at this point. Well, we're certainly going to have to watch that over the next few months. But in the short term, sentiment is negative. I think we probably have at least a few more weeks of uh, downside risks. So for now, I mean, you know, dollar is still king. Cash is obviously paying. So uh, for the again, for the short term, certainly more on the cautious side. Yeah, certainly are seeing um, even more dollar strength this morning as well. Thanks for this, SD. Again, great having you back on with us this morning. SD Dweck, Chief Investment Officer at Flow Bank. As we watch the market this morning, we're seeing futures add to their declines right now. We've got S&P futures lower by 15 points, Dow futures down 83, and NASDAQ futures a drop of six-tenths percent, a 67-point decline on the tech-heavy NASDAQ futures. The 10-year Treasury is down 10 30 seconds with the yield close to 3.53%. The yield on the two-year getting ever closer to 4% right now at 3.98. NYMEX crude is up a half percent or 46 cents, $86.19 a barrel. And uh, looking at that dollar strength once again, the euro pretty much at parity against the dollar at 1.0009. This is Bloomberg. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by PPAC Private Wealth Management. PPAC Private Wealth Management knows that a portfolio is more than a collection of assets. It's a path to your future. Visit ppacprivate.com and begin your financial legacy today. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. Uh, futures are lower following a late-day rally on Wall Street, and U.S. 10-year real yields rose to the highest since 2011. The S&P 500 snapped a two-day losing streak after sliding much of last week. The market uncertainty comes as the Fed kicks off its two-day policy meeting. The question now is whether the central bank hikes interest rates by seven or 100 basis points. William Houston is chief investment officer at Bay Street Capital. 
as soon as that trend reverses course, you know, we stop seeing this inversion in the yield curve where investors are being actually rewarded at a higher rate on these shorter term yields as opposed to longer term reels. As long as that's the case, yeah, equities are going to perform poorly. William Houston with Bay Street Capital thinks the Fed will raise rates 75 basis points tomorrow. An economist recently surveyed by Bloomberg agree. Join us for live coverage of that Fed decision tomorrow on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance starting at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, the Fed isn't the only central bank making policy decisions this week, Karen. In Europe, Sweden's central bank hiked rates a larger than expected 100 basis points. Over in Asia, the Bank of Japan will have to decide whether to continue monetary stimulus this week after an Inflation accelerated to the fastest pace in more than three decades. We also get a Bank of England decision on Thursday. On the geopolitics now, Nathan, where world leaders meeting at the U.N. this week are in the spotlight. And ahead of her meeting with President Joe Biden, U.K. Prime Minister Liz Truss says she does not expect a trade deal between the two countries anytime soon. In the meantime, the war in Ukraine rages on, Karen, and that country's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuleba, says Ukraine will continue its counteroffensive against Russia in the east. He's calling on Western allies to send more weapons. Sometimes I'm being asked whether there is enough of weapons that we have received. I always say... I will be able to say it was enough only after Ukraine wins. Until then, we will be asking for more. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba spoke with Bloomberg ahead of the U.N. General Assembly's annual meeting. Last week, President Biden announced another $600 million drawdown from U.S. military stockpiles to provide aid to Ukraine. In corporate news now, Nathan, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey will be questioned under oath today in the lawsuit filed by Twitter against Tesla founder Elon Musk. And shares of Ford are down 5% in early trading, Karen, after the automaker announced inflation is pushing supplier costs a billion dollars higher than expected in the current quarter. And again, futures are lower with S&P futures down about 10 points. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 69 degrees in Central Park, still dealing with the accident westbound Cross Bronx at the Sheridan Expressway. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York Mayor Eric Adams says he will soon have a plan to deal with the busloads of migrants arriving in the city from the southern border. Mayor Adams says he'll first examine the issues, then come up with a plan to deal with the migrant crisis landing in the city. We are not telling anyone that New York can accommodate every migrant in the city. We're not encouraging people to send uh, eight, nine buses a day. That is not what we're doing. Mayor Adams says the city has taken in more than 11,000 asylum seekers and migrants, processing 8,500 of them while opening 23 emergency shelters. But Adams says among the many next steps could be litigation. We are strongly in support of rights, right to shelter, but there's aspects of it that we want to look at. And so we're looking at our legal op- options on all of what we are seeing, uh, how to address this. Mayor Adams also confirms one migrant sent to New York committed suicide over the weekend. Hurricane Fiona is barreling toward the Turks and Caicos Islands as it strengthens into a Category 3 storm. The intensifying storm also kept dropping rain over the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. One person has died and more than a million people remain without power in Puerto Rico. In New York, Governor Kathy Hochul said crews are ready to go down to help. We are continuing to monitor the situation. We have assets ready to be deployed. We are anxious to provide the support 
that the people of Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic need at this time. Governor Hochul says the people in Puerto Rico are our fellow citizens and need aid. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres is warning that the world is in great peril. He says world leaders meeting in person for the first time in three years at the U.N. General Assembly in Manhattan must tackle conflicts and climate catastrophes, increasing poverty and inequality and divisions among major powers. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. John Stashar has the Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan, after the Yankees spent this past weekend in Milwaukee, the Mets went there. They took Max Scherzer off the injured list. He went for his 200th career victory in the Mets. Seeking one more win to assure them a playoff berth. Mets and Brewers scoreless, fourth inning. The pitch. Alonzo drives it deep to left field. This ball's fair, and it's way out of here. Three-run shot, Pete Alonzo. And the Mets strike first in Milwaukee. It's 3-0 in the top of the fourth inning. Alonzo's 36, WCBS had it. Mets went on to win 7-2. Scherzer, brilliant, taken out after six perfect innings. The playoff berth. Is the Mets' 10th in team history, first since 2016. Of course, they'd like to go in as division champ, earn a first-round bye, but Atlanta continues in hot pursuit. The Braves won to remain one game behind. The Pirates just lost four times to the Mets at City Field. Now they visit the Yankees with all eyes on Aaron Judge. The question now is not if he breaks Roger Maris's Yankee and American League home run record, but when he needs three, could he do it during this six-game homestand? Week two in the books, impressive home wins for Buffalo and Philadelphia. The Bills all over Tennessee, 41-7. to Josh Allen, four touchdown passes, three went to Stephon Diggs. Titans' loss means that in the AFC South, the four teams have combined for only one victory. The Eagles easily over Minnesota, 24-7. to Jalen Hurts in on three Philly touchdowns just in the first half. Next Monday, it's the 2-0 Giants hosting Dallas, and that's the night after the Jets. Welcome in Cincinnati. Bengals are 0-2, both of the losses on last-second field goals. John Stashdown with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Investors led by New York City's pension funds filed a shareholder proposal calling for an audit of workers' rights at Starbucks. The resolution urges Starbucks directors to commission and release a third-party assessment of the company's compliance with commitments to honor workers' collective bargaining rights. New Jersey teachers in the state's school employees' health benefits program will be paying over 15% more for health coverage in 2023, similar though slightly less than the increase imposed on municipal and county workers. Teachers did not avoid the big hike like state workers did. Connecticut's Attorney General met Monday with the M&T Bank executive who oversees the New England region. He made a series of demands he hopes will resolve problems with a computer system conversion designed to combine People's United Bank and the Buffalo-based financial institution. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. 
I'm Steve Potisk on 1010 Wins in New York. We're talking about the Lord & Taylor brand looking to aggressively reintroduce itself to consumers. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. Halloween spending is expected to hit a record of $10.6 billion. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that a Minnesota-based self-storage company has taken its property tax fight to the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm Stephen Carroll on DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the Riksbank hiking rates by 100 basis points as the Swedish Central Bank kicks off a massive week of rate decisions. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting seven Midwestern states are teaming up to promote hydrogen as a clean energy alternative. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Among the many crowd-pleasing elements of the Inflation Reduction Act, which President Biden signed into law last month, is a measure to cap the cost of insulin for Medicare recipients. Lawmakers from both parties now want to widen that benefit to millions of others who rely on the life-saving drug. Insulin affordability is a problem. Americans pay roughly eight times more for the century-old drug than people in the rest of the developed world. But while limiting out-of-pocket costs for insulin has obvious political appeal, it does nothing to contain the overall price of the drug. Rather than attempting to manipulate prices, Congress should marshal the forces of competition to bring down costs. That sort of strategy would benefit consumers and taxpayers alike. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN go. S&P futures down 13 points. Dow futures down 73. NASDAQ futures lower by 59 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 3.53%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Mostly sunny, low 80s today. We'll get near 80 tomorrow under a mostly sunny sky. By Thursday, showers likely, upper 70s. Right now, 69 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And stocks given up early gains as traders gear up for another supersized U.S. rate hike amid rising anxiety. The Federal Reserve could over-tighten and raise the odds of a hard landing. Fed policymakers opening up a two-day meeting today. U.S. stock index futures, they're extending their declines. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures now down about 18 points. Dow futures down 106. And NASDAQ futures down 67. The DAX in Germany is down 8 tenths of a 
percent. Ten-year Treasury down 12.30 seconds, yield 3.53 percent, and the yield on the two-year 3.97 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up a tenth of a percent, or 12 cents at $85.85 a barrel. COMEX gold down two tenths percent, or $2.90 at 16.75.30 an ounce. The euro 1.0004 against the dollar. British pound 1.1415 and again 143.74. And Bitcoin this morning is down one and a half percent at $19,220. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Hurricane Fiona has strengthened to a Category 3 storm with winds of 115 miles per hour as it barrels toward the Turks and Caicos Islands. In Puerto Rico, more than a million people are in the dark. Former President Donald Trump's legal team appears before the new special master Raymond Deary today, but they are opposing one of Deary's requests. Trump's legal team has refused a request by Deary to clarify actions taken to declassify material seized at the former president's Mar-a-Lago estate. It was a Monday night football doubleheader. The Bills put a what-for-and-why-whipping on the Titans, 41-7. The Eagles beat the Vikings 24-7. In baseball, the Mets won, clinching a playoff berth. The Nationals and Orioles lost. The Giants won. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and the Federal Reserve is beginning its two-day policy meeting for September this morning, determined to put a whipping on inflation. Is that going to mean yet more supersized rate hikes? Let's bring in Carl Riccadonna for more on this, chief U.S. economist at BNP Paribas. Carl, good to speak with you again ahead of the Fed decision. The market's pricing in 75 basis points. We just heard from Sweden's central bank. They went ahead and did 100. Uh, what's the chance of a Fed surprise tomorrow, Carl? Well, good morning. Uh, there, there's, there's about a 15 uh, to 20 percent uh, chance of a 100 basis point uh, move from the Fed uh, priced into uh, Fed funds futures. Uh, however, uh, I think that uh, this is more of a hedging uh, uh, footprint in the markets, and I think there's a pretty clear-cut case to continue with more of the same, these what we'll call jumbo-sized uh, 75 basis point moves. That is uh, still an exceptional pace of tightening, even if they downshifted to 50 uh, this is still an exceptional pace of tightening. So we should not view uh, another 75 move as some kind of uh, indication that the Fed is not making uh, Herculean efforts uh, to combat the inflation problem in the economy at the moment. So are 75 basis point moves here to stay? Do you think we see a pivot toward slower jumbo size moves this year? Well, the Fed has tested some of the language or or maybe uh, laid the groundwork for a downshift. Uh, Chair Powell talked about uh, the, the, the appropriateness of downshifting policy once monetary policy uh, tightens a bit further and financial conditions have tightened further. Uh, that's not this meeting, clearly. Uh, it could have been this meeting if the CPI data showed some signs of uh, cooperating or responding to the, the tightening of uh, financial conditions we've seen over the course of the year. Uh, that certainly was not the case. Uh, November remains an open question. Now, you can make the case that uh, there's a, a limited supply of data uh, between now and the November rate decision. That would be one more jobs report, one more inflation report. Uh, so that sounds like not too much. Uh, but if we if we 
look at the totality of data, as Chair Powell describes it. Uh, we'll have another GDP print, so the first look at Q3, uh, the ECI. Uh, we'll have a lot of corporate earnings data and a lot of other data points that inform our decision-making, like the ISM surveys, for instance, and industrial production. So there really is a lot of data to digest between now and November. Uh, that said, given the momentum, that the heat we're seeing in the economic data, uh, it will be hard to make that turn unless we really do see a pronounced uh, downshift in the data. That said, uh, we know from the macro landscape that growth is decelerating very aggressively, uh, and this ultimately will take a toll in all of those indicators I uh, mentioned, including the inflation numbers. We're talking about uh, last year at this time, growth registering 12%. Uh, as it was last reported, uh, so one year later, uh, growth decelerating to below 2%, uh, and our forecast by year-end is something below even a half a percent on GDP. That is a very dramatic slowdown. Uh, and so as that becomes more evident in the data, I think both policymakers and market participants will be more comfortable uh, proceeding at a slower pace. Carl, just 30 seconds left here, but are you expecting any big changes from the Fed's economic projections this week? Uh, we will see some pretty substantial changes to the forecast. So uh, we'll see growth marked down. Uh, looks like policymakers are going to lean uh, harder on the uh, brake pedal. So we'll see, uh, you know, a, a higher interest rate uh, trajectory. Uh, this should create more slack in the economy. So uh, a slightly uh, marked up uh, uh, trajectory for the unemployment rate. Uh, and of course, an acknowledgement that we're seeing more inflation. Uh, and less improvement in inflation uh, than what they were previously anticipating. So you'll see a, a lot of markups uh, in that summary of economic projections that they'll be releasing alongside uh, with uh, the meeting statement. Thanks, Carl. Always good talking with you. Carl Riccadonna, now Chief U.S. Economist at BNP Paribas. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Internal Revenue Service is extending some filing and payment deadlines for individuals and businesses in Puerto Rico that have been affected by Hurricane Fiona. A bill passed by Congress directs the Labor Department to look into the obstacles facing skilled immigrants who seek employment in the U.S. A federal judge in New York ruled that JetBlue must face disability discrimination claims from an asthmatic former ground worker. The worker says the carrier refused to administer a saliva test instead of a breathalyzer test after a luggage vehicle accident. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal story we're watching. Yeshiva University has decided to temporarily suspend all undergraduate club activities after the U.S. Supreme Court refused to step into a legal fight over its refusal to recognize a campus LGBTQ student group. The ruling split the justices five to four, but the dissent appears to indicate that the win for the student group may just be a temporary one. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Richard Garnett, a professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School. 
So the dissent, written by Justice Samuel Alito, at least four of us are likely to vote to grant certiorari if Yeshiva's First Amendment arguments are rejected on appeal, and Yeshiva would likely win if its case came before us. Yeah. Isn't he deciding the case before it's even been argued? Well, you only need four justices to grant cert, you know, and there were four justices on the dissent there. So, but it was interesting, that extra bit, where Justice Alito does pretty clearly suggest to the parties below that he thinks it wouldn't just be the four on Yeshiva's side. And I think he's probably right about that. I mean, I suspect that it wouldn't even be just five or even six, that if the case were to actually get to the Supreme Court, that Yeshiva would win. But for, you know, whatever reasons, a majority of the justices wanted to have this thing sort of play out more slowly and to play out fully in the state court system before the Supreme Court comes in on the ultimate merits questions. Why do you think that it's such a clear-cut case on the merits? So the, the doctrine that the Supreme Court's settled on in recent years is that a law that is not generally applicable, but that burdens religion, is subject to what's called strict scrutiny, and that's a very demanding standard. And it seems pretty clear that the New York anti-discrimination regulation that's being applied here has lots of exceptions. There's all kinds of civic groups and clubs and other organizations that are not subject to this particular anti-discrimination norm, but yeshiva is. And so yeshiva is going to be able to say the application of this law is a burden on our religious freedom rights. And because it's a burden that's being imposed by a, a law that's not general, then that burden has to be evaluated under this very demanding standard. And, you know, generally speaking, when strict scrutiny is applied to a law, <laughs> the law loses. And I think it'd be, again, more than just five or even six justices who would think that that was true. Because if New York is willing to allow, you know, various other nonprofits to have internal rules that reflect their values and their mission and so on, I think the court's going to say that they can't deny that to Yeshiva. And that's Richard Garnett, a professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School, speaking with the Bloomberg student Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. And coming up straight ahead, we have... A check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.